Welcome to Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Each week, we explore down and dirty ways to stop awfulizing, catastrophizing, going down the rabbit hole, and moving through all the craziness that is happening right now. We're here to create a community of like-minded people as we give you tips, tricks, and techniques for keeping sane in an unhinged world. And now, here are your hosts, Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. Welcome, everybody. This is Scott Grossberg, one of your co-hosts for the podcast, Keeping Your Shit Together in a Stressed World. And I'm here with my co-host, Michelle. Happy New Year, Michelle. Happy New Year, Scott. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for joining in. We are in 2022 and closing in on our 100th show. Mm, I know today is number 95. Yeah. January 3rd is when we're recording this. Uh, and uh, Scott and I were looking up, you, you and I were looking up right before this. It is International Mind Body Wellness Day. Which, and, uh, and, and Festival of Sleep Day. Festival of Sleep Day. <laughs> it works perfectly, though, with um, the last session that we did, your, your one word for the year and yeah. what you want for others and our peaceful healing that we're trying to create for other people in the middle of stress and keeping your shit together. Now I've got to, I've got, I've got to, I've got to brag just a little bit, not about me or about you, but about the show. Uh, uh-huh. After, after the show, I actually did have a number of people who listened to the tips that we gave them and they created their own uh, wallpaper and lock screen for their phones. Yay. And so uh, some of them used other languages that I don't know, but it's, it, it doesn't <laughs> matter. The, the point is that they're actually out taking their it. words, putting it on their, their phone screen, both as a wallpaper uh-huh. and or lock screen, so that mm-hmm. it's reminding them every day of yeah. what that one word is as we go through and into 2022. Yeah. And, and we're three days in. How is your your one word going gratitude, I believe was your word. Gratitude. Gratitude is my word. It's uh, uh-huh. actually been very, I'm very grateful for what's been going on. So oh, um, it, it's, it's worked wonderfully well. And again, for those who didn't listen to the last episode, I'll give you a quick resume, but I, and I really encourage you to go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, we went through the formula that I use. It's not one word, it's five words, but it's one word for you, one yeah. word for others, and then three words to serve as lighthouses for you in making decisions. And the one thing I have done this time that I did not do in any prior years was create this phone screen. Yeah. Uh, I had it before I had the words down. Uh, they're on my my laptop uh, desktop uh-huh. wallpaper, uh-huh. Okay. which which then gets hidden behind a bunch of screens. You don't really <laughs> sure. see it. And then sure. I always encourage people to do post-it notes and the like. Write mm-hmm. it in a journal. Stick it on your your refrigerator. And again, it just kind of becomes noise. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And I say that now in retrospect because now that it's on my phone, every time I go to turn my phone on. And those of you who are addicted to your phones, you know how many times you're looking at your phone or getting a call or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's there every single time to jolt you out of this illusion of crisis that we all tend to, to put mm-hmm. ourselves into, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you get instantly brought back, even if it's for a fraction of a second, it becomes a mandatory pattern interrupt. And mm-hmm. it, I, I think that that's really, uh, at least for me, working marvelously well. I love it too. I mean, so far, my first three days, I am uh, moving strong in the wellness category. So we uh, received a Apple watch for Christmas. Thank you so much, Brian. Um, And it reminds me to stand and move and walk. And I have these goals and we've been doing some bike riding and walking and um, what else? Oh, this game called Just Dance, which is connected to, it's like a video game and you move around to the song and get points as you move around. It's kind of ridiculous. But uh, so I think we're on a good track, but my sleep really has been off since New Year's. And well, let, let, let's before this we before festival you, of sleep day. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's go real quickly because I know yeah. you've, you've studied it. We were talking to it a little bit off air before we got into it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
what is the recommended sleep cycle mm-hmm. now for people? It's no, no less than seven, no more than nine in every 24 hour period. You cannot make up sleep. So you can't get sleep deprived one day and then make it up. You can take naps to get your hours in, but ideally you want to try to get that, that minimum seven in. And so I'm really glad we're talking about this today as the new year is starting because sleep is a basis for keeping your shit together. There is nothing like sleep deprivation. You, you can get into accidents when you're sleep deprived there are uh, things at work that you can do wrong, uh, you know, and which can cost people their Absolutely. lives depending on what you do in sleep deprivation. So you can go the traditional medical route, like Scott, maybe we should talk about sleep tips. If, if you're getting, if you're sleeping more than nine or less than seven, one is the traditional medical route. Talk to your medical doctor about it. There are sleep studies out there. There are treatments and medications and, and vitamins that's one route. Any any other suggestions that you have, Scott? Yeah, well, it, it kind of depends for me because, and I'm going to tell you right up front, folks, that my recommendations for sleep are not normal. Yeah, that's be, cool. Be, because I, I normally sleep four to five hours a night. That's what? it. And, and they are a sequence of, of naps. So I'll what? wake up. Yeah, I don't. I, and I never have. I've never... Uh, had the normal sleep cycle. And I will explain that in a minute. Okay. Um, so what I'm about to recommend, certainly check with your doctor, you know, if you've got sleep apnea or any of these other things, yes, nar- exactly. narcolepsy, et cetera, you, mm-hmm. you want to make sure that hormonal changes for women you, and men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That you don't need oxygen at night to help you breathe or, you, you know, the, uh, what's that Mask. called? The, the, the sleep CPAP. apnea machine, mm-hmm. you know, you, you want to make sure that there's nothing physical, physiological going on, or it's not a a chemical reaction, Uh you're not sick, etc. I've done a lot of study on sleep. And I routinely talk to my coaching clients, by the way. And this is where it goes. It's contra (laughs) against what the, the people are saying, you know, the biggest thing that most of the people I work with are talking about, they're overachievers, they're very aggressive, mm-hmm. and the type A personalities to the extreme. Mm-hmm. And of course, the biggest thing they tell me is they never, don't have enough time during the day to get things done that they want to do. Sure. And so then I ask them, well, if I could give you another day to do things in a week, if I could give you another day would that help? And it's like, oh my God, if you could give me another day, where's the, where's the genie bottle that I rub the lamp. Uh And I say, you know, go to bed one hour later and wake up one hour earlier. You just save two hours a day at the end of the week, you'll have an entire day. I know. I, and I'm not telling you it's for, I'm not, (laughs) I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm not telling you it is for everybody. Um, I'm just saying there are some folks that I coach who literally because of their erratic sleep patterns. Yeah. They're in bed 10 to 12 hours at night. They're just not sleeping well through it. Yeah. Yeah. And so this kind of leads to some tips. That makes sense. Like don't don't go to bed if you're not sleepy. Yeah. Laying in bed awake, which uh, you know, I relate to. I relate to that a lot. Having going through hormonal changes, my sleep patterns are way off. So this is not meant to be judgmental. It's just like, we're in it together. Trying it, to keep it, our it, shit it, together well, too, here, right? Here's the other thing that's happening that, that at least I've been following through COVID and mm-hmm. all of the changes that everybody is going through. More people are recognizing that they're up late at night with anxious and worrisome yeah. and troublesome thoughts. Very good and, it, and it is because during the day, your conscious mind is distracted. And at night, you're not. At night, all the distractions have gone away. And now you get to worry <laughs> about everything. And, uh-huh. and so one of the little tips that I have for everybody is, um, and it it's, goes beyond what we can do in today's show, but yeah. just a really quick little simple tip is, Imagine you're sitting in your favorite chair. Imagine you're in this wonderful, lush living room where, what, you know, this grotto of the heart I've, I've used before with people. You're in this little, you know, covered lagoon. And imagine you take all your worries, all of your concerns, all of your troubles, and you just put them outside yourself. You can bring them back. They're not, you're not getting rid of them. You're just mm-hmm. saying, I want to put this outside me. 
Mm-hmm. I have had people put them in boxes, shoe boxes, and put them down at their feet. I have had people, I mean, there's an energy medicine technique where you can actually imagine a sphere of light. You put all your troubles and woes and cares, blah, 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 right. in essentially this energetic God box, right? The worry right. box. You exactly. put it out, you put it outside yourself to be recalled when you, you want to take time to worry about it. Yes. Um, and that seems to decompress and chill everybody out. The other thing uh, that I want to bring out, you know, many people have heard me talk about wanting to be an astronaut uh, growing up and following the space program. I have studied uh, a lot the NASA space program studies on napping. You mentioned napping. Yes, napping. And and people have heard of power naps. But Uh what they don't realize is that there's an actual scientific, there's a scientific (laughs) determination by the astronauts and is 26 minutes is is the okay and i'm going to read you some that makes some, sense i'm going to read you to me oh also space caffeine a- naps do you know caffeine oh i do that naps? yeah that's what i do all mm-hmm. the time so you threw, <laughs> yeah, well i was i was wasn't going to go there just because i'm not a doctor but the reality is i learned this a long time ago from some of my uh, health guru workout freaks, mm-hmm. literally you, you, I, I do this now and maybe we should do a whole show on what you and I do for wellness, by the way. Um, okay. But one of the things I do is I drink a cup of coffee before I work out number one oh. and before I nap. And what that does is it boosts your metabolism while you're working out and, or sleeping, obviously, if you've got a heart condition or something like that, you don't want to do it, but the one, the one stat that always struck, stuck with me is that NASA found that, that astronauts, the pilots, the commanders of the spacecraft who would sleep in the cockpit for 26 minutes showed improvement in their alertness and focus up to 54% and job performance was up 34% compared with those who did not take naps during a space flight. Mm. Um, and it, again, Ultimate recommendation, if you can't think of anything else, you, you don't want to take a three-hour nap. No, no, no. You'll no, wake no. up groggy. Yeah, so, and so, it's, it will really disrupt your sleep at night. So 10 to 20 minutes, 26 is usually the best. Okay. But, but again, 10 to 20, you got to also take into to account, you got to fall asleep. Yeah, you've so, got so, wind down time and so, you know, So there's wake some of time. that in there. The, the other thing is the self-talk mm-hmm. that you can do. I'm, and again, maybe we could do a show on this at some point. I don't know how many of you folks know that you can program your dreams. Uh, you can program what you're thinking yeah. about. You can, by the way, even preface a sleep cycle with yoga or some of the breathing that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked about box breathing before, mm-hmm. but uh, Andrew Whale uh, has been very vocal. It's not his, it's not his technique. But the, I think it's, you know, the four, seven, eight breathing where they guarantee you, if you will breathe into a count of four, hold for a count of seven, breathe out to a count of eight. It's not box breathing. It's not four, 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 four. It's inhale, hold, exhale, double what you've inhaled. Yeah. And if you'll do that 10 times, their guarantee is you'll be asleep before you get to the 10th time. Okay. Kind of like counting sheep, by the way. Now you are big on hypnosis and I, I highly recommend, um, well, again, talk to your doctor, do your own thing, but, but hypnosis can be so helpful for insomnia and sleep. And if you're not working with somebody, we have referrals for you. If you want a quick test, try, uh, this random YouTuber that I found, Michael Seeley has a wonderful voice on, on YouTube, and he's got a lot of hypnosis, including some for insomnia and, and sleep that I recommend, but sleep is, we, we don't know enough about it. There was a great book written by Ariana Huffington called thrive, which Mm -hmm. she wrote after her exhaustion collapse, um, many years ago, where she reviewed all the current sleep research, so if for those of you out there who are readers, you might pick up that book and do a little research on sleep in honor of Festival of Sleep Day. Yeah, I've got to, <laughs> I'm going to add one more little tip here before we jump right in to our, mm-hmm. our main show. 
and that is the Calm app, C A L M. Yeah. Uh, has and it, it the you can do this for free. There's certainly a paid subscription that you can get as well. But yes. on the Calm app, there are a variety of ways that you can be lulled into sleep, including they'll even tell you stories. And yeah, sleep stories. And I'll go one step further for those of you, I'm not going to say her name because uh-huh. she'll go off on me while I'm here in my office. But if those of you that have A-L-E-X-A, if you don't know this, here's a wonderful little tip. You can go on, ask her to play white noise or uh-huh. you know, nature music. And you can say, play that for 10 minutes and it's a timer. And then you'll hear the white noise or the background stuff get lost in the the forest walk and then it'll turn off. It's not going to play all night. Okay. Well, two, two more things. Um, Feel free to also work with a cognitive behavioral therapist on sleep, um, sleep hygiene. Is that that's a great set of tools which includes a bedtime routine of of winding down and making sure you go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. That's a huge thing for turning around your sleep. And do you know that I am a huge fan of Super Grover? Have we discussed this? No. Okay. So Brian and I- Like, are are we talking Muppet Super Grover? Yes. With with the hat and the- Yeah. Yeah. I am three too. And I'm cute too. I Super Grover am here to- Yes. So huge, huge, like it it got me through my childhood moving around so much as a kid. Anyway, another thing for stress management, not sleep in general, is plan a vacation. Brian and I just planned a vacation, a weekend getaway at a resort where you can (laughs) can pay to have breakfast with the Sesame Street characters. It's usually for children. But I might have to do it. And wait, it gets better. You can pay for Super Grover or a character of your choosing to come and tuck you in at night. I think I'm going to do it. <laughs> hey, this is my year of wellness, healing, rest, balance, well, there, you and rejuvenation. If this, brings you, if this brings you fulfillment, then I want nothing more for you. Thank you. It's the silliest thing ever, but hey, why not? Why not? <laughs> All right, let's get well. Now that you've now that, now that you've bared your soul and be, been so know, completely so self-aware, self-aware. <laughs> why, why don't we talk about the the show today? And yes. that is um, how to be more self-aware, how to understand it. And I think it's important. And I'm going to start, Michelle, with you. Yeah. With with the question, what do you think self-awareness is, and who the hell cares? Yeah. Um, well, I think self-awareness is a basic building block for being present and mindful. So with all the research on mindfulness and the importance of staying present in the present moment in terms of good, good well-being, health, wellness, better relationships, like is there anything more annoying than meeting someone, I don't know, at a gathering and one minute into the gathering, their eyes avert you, they're looking at their watch, they interrupt you five times, like that person is not present, right? So we need to be self-aware. So self-awareness is the ability to be conscious of how you feel and how your body is reacting to situations and to move in a direction of maybe more mastery of those things so that you can have better wellness and, and well-being and better relationships. And, you know, that's just an off the cuff. I'm sure there's a better official definition. Well, I, I, but... I actually, I don't know that there is a better one oh, because I, I don't know that the world in particular has ever identified this skill that we're calling self-awareness because I think it's a skill. I don't think you're born self-aware. I think it, 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 and I'm going to take it in a different direction because, uh, you know, when I teach people meditation and mindfulness, Uh there is a component of self-awareness with that. And it is built around the concept. And I learned this by the way, from Pema Chodron, uh, and learning mm-hmm. meditation through her, mm-hmm. that you 
you are not your thoughts. You are mm -hmm. not your feelings. Mm -hmm. you, you are an observer of thoughts and feelings. And mm -hmm. too often you confuse those. You, mm -hmm. you get confused that you're the thought. Yes. And so, you know, one of the ways that she uh, teaches, I almost said hypnosis because it's very close. Uh, one of the ways that she teaches meditation is that you sit down, you concentrate on your breath, among other things. There are various mm -hmm. forms of meditation and various forms of mindfulness. They're not the same. Mm -hmm. uh, and no matter which of the two you're practicing, you're going to think, you know, no, people love to think that they will do meditation and then they zone out and nothing goes through their head. People, we're wired to think. You can't stop thinking. Yeah. What you can do is divert and refocus your attention yeah. based on the intention that you bring to the, the, the session. And so when a feeling or a thought passes into your head and you catch yourself, um, you know, I do a lot of chakra work. I, having done it for years, even this morning, by the way, I caught myself, I finally got up to my heart and I was like, where the hell did I just go? And I'm <laughs> off on this little whatever and I bring myself back. And so one of the things that Pema Chodron uh, talks about is that when you catch yourself thinking or feeling, you say thinking or feeling. Uh, and yeah. it's merely the, uh, it is the, I, uh, it is the acknowledgement that you as the observer are currently thinking or currently feeling, it brings you back on track right. to the fact that, that you are not your thoughts and feelings. Right. And for me, one of the biggest bases for this whole self-awareness concept, you know, mm -hmm. as, as elusive mm -hmm. as I think it is for folks, mm -hmm. and, and it is that your thoughts are not facts, your feelings are not facts. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into some of the, the techniques that deal with facts in a minute, but it, it's kind of, for me, self-aware means being aware mm -hmm. that you're not your thoughts or feelings. Those are things mm -hmm. that happen to you. Like as, as I so often hear with metaphors, it's like the, the summer storm that passes through the sky and then passes back out again with the wind. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful way of describing it. And, and without tuning in to the fact that you're thinking or you're feeling, you can't figure out why or what you're thinking or feeling. And often it's colluded with false information yeah. from the environment that causes you to react and sometimes overreact in a negative way to other people, your boss, your cat, your partner your children and this reactivity or what um, Daniel Siegel who's the psychiatrist out of UCLA who created Mindsight and parenting from the inside out he calls flipping your lid right if if you can't maintain that prefrontal yep. cortex awareness that oh wait we're scared or angry or hurt or something and we're about to react if you can't maintain that self-awareness and breathe yourself through it and calm yourself through it, you're going to yell, you're going to scream, you're going to throw things. You might even hurt someone. You might even scare yourself with how dark you can become in your reactivity and talk about if you're walking around like a reaction, you know, like, um, what are those, the nuclear, you're like a nuclear power plant about to explode. How are people going to get close to you or trust you? or want long-term business relationships or emotional relationships with you. So self-awareness is at the basis of, whoop, I'm having reactivity. Yeah. Is this real or fake? And do I need to manage it better? You know, one of the things that I at least uh, emphasize with folks that I work with is this whole concept uh, of entanglement? Very, yeah. you know, I, I bring a very. Uh, I, I hate to to be so trite as to call it a very shamanistic approach to things, but a very this very mystical shamanistic approach when working with people on that is to ask them how have you become entangled in other people's stories? How have you become entangled in your own stories? What are the imprints that you've brought with you that you weren't born with that 
you know, how can we take you back and help you to be more self-aware of who you really are versus the imprints on. And so um, I like to think of it as re-membering. We're taking the pieces of people and putting them back in place. Okay. Uh, so another way of saying this is, you know, for me, self-aware is how do you, how the hell do you know what you know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, so I got a question for you, Michelle, before maybe we jump into some ideas and techniques and maybe techniques even some questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you do marriage and family counseling and therapy, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. And have you ever had a couple show up to you where number one, either one or both of the couple, they're having relationship and intimacy and togetherness problems, challenges, mm-hmm. whatever you guys want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, M- Michelle likes, Michelle doesn't like it when I say passing on. She likes me to just say they died. Well, I, do, I, don't, I like the real words. <laughs> so so let's just, that they've come to you with problems. Forget the, yeah. we don't call it problems. We call it challenges. They right. come to you with problems. Uh-huh. And number one, do you ever notice that when that happens, usually one or both are not self-aware? And two, how do you recognize someone who is not self-aware? Yeah. It's a hard question, by the way, that last one. So the first one, yes, one or both can be either uh, lacking in self-awareness or lacking in the source of their problem that so they may be aware that they're having challenges so you know that's the easy things things are upset right but the hard part is where is this upsetness coming from and how do i change it that that's the lacking of the self-awareness that i see more often so to your first question yes and to the second question how self-aware well um, if someone, how do you spot somebody that's not self-aware? Someone who is speaking in terms of the we or the you instead of the I. So what do I mean by that? Um, they're speaking for multiple people or the royal we, whoever that is, like we feel like this or we feel like that, like there's no I. In- oh, I need to interrupt you here because yeah, yeah. this. I have a standard saying, I, and I can't tell you where I learned it from, but I love this. There are only two people in this, in this world who uh-huh. should use the, the word we. Uh-huh. Emperors uh-huh. and people with ringworm. That was my joke for the day. All right. I'm sorry to interrupt okay. you. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. And then, and then the you. So if somebody's speaking in a lot of yous, like, you know, you make me feel, you did this to me, you hurt me, you, I don't know, like a lot of yous, like your fault, you, 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 that's a huge sign you're looking at a lack of self-awareness because no one can make you feel anything without your permission. And when you're talking in a lot of yous, you're acting like a helpless victim that doesn't have influence on what's going on around you. If you're self-aware, you realize that you impact your environment and your environment impacts you. And you're trying to unpack that on a regular basis. Okay. Um, But you don't blame your, like two people who go through an earthquake don't react the exact same way. Uh, If you live in California, half the Californians don't even notice an earthquake when it happens, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So I will have people contact us and they'll say, are you okay? The report is like, it's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? (laughs) It's like, you know, an earthquake that happened way far away. So, so yeah, that's, that's what I would say is I see it a lot and, and you want to look at, um, I like to look at how. How am I talking about something? Am I owning my thoughts and feelings? Because that's a sign of self-awareness. Am I blaming other people for thoughts and feelings and talking in a lot of we's and you's? And that's a sign that I'm, I'm not being very self-aware at that moment. You know, it's interesting that you said that, that last portion of this, because one of the things, again, that I'm big on, one of my rules for life, to the extent that I even have rules, uh, is that everything that happens is your responsibility. 
And we've talked before about my Ho'oponopono training and uh, the doctor who I, who kind of mentored me through that from Hawaii. And I love uh, Ihalayakala Hugh Lin. I love his comment. Did you ever notice when there's a problem, you're there? You're there. You're always there. Yeah. And uh, and when you say that to somebody, when I say that to somebody, Uh Uh, their reaction, you can see the self-awareness is either there or not. Right, right. It's like, what are you talking about? Things happen to me, as opposed to the Tony Robbins, right? Life happens. Life doesn't happen to you. Life happens for you. Right. And and the world kind of divides into two binary sets, right? It's people either believe that or they don't. They're either victims or they're not. Mm -hmm. And so one of the big things, I think I've done it on our show here, Michelle, yeah. Uh, and it's rather extreme. It's rather dramatic. Right. Vampire or victim? Pick one. Right. Which one are you? Vampires are very self-aware. <laughs> you may not I like know. what they do, but they're very self-aware. Now, I know, by the way, I get the mm-hmm. same pushback and feedback that I just saw you do. Yeah. Are you, are you reading my mind? Where I am doing my, I'm doing my own logical fallacy right now. Mm-hmm. And um I, I've had people go, I don't want to be either one. I want to be Buffy. I Buffy said, the vampire slayer. <laughs> I said, no, no, you understand. Buffy was a vampire. No, she wasn't. I said, yes, in her own way, she was a predator. Yeah. Um, and so it, I'm not asking you be a victim versus a predator, but right. how do you want to walk through the world? How do you want to embrace your own you right, Um right. And you know, at one point I was doing a, a number of seminars a few years ago called you Y O U, and it stood for your own, your own understanding. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I may reinvent them again and, and bring it mm-hmm. out again, but it was it, the whole concept of the seminar mm-hmm. was helping people be self-aware in taking control and being more self-confident, not confidence. Confidence is not the same thing as Mm self-confidence, right? Aware is not the same thing as self-aware. We're talking about today in in our show, Mm -hmm. how can you be more Mm self-aware, which will then lead to more self-confidence, which will then lead to more self-actualization, frankly. Mm -hmm. Now, before we go on, and I don't want to get trapped in this rabbit hole, but isn't there a third category between victim and vampire like no. like survivor no because like that's a victim know, i but by yeah, the way and, so. and by the way and i'm gonna say this because i you know I'm i have used like rape survivors i have you well but but think about this for a minute i, I mm-hmm. have had people come back mm-hmm. and let's take it out of the very let, let's take it out of the rape because there's rape there's death all, there's there's all, crime yeah let, let's take it out of that only because there's such a heavy emotional yes. overlay and nobody wants nobody wants to say blame the victim right mm-hmm. yeah i'm not suggesting that yeah yeah but i have had people come back to me where i have congratulated them i uh-huh. have congratulated uh-huh. them on surviving cancer yeah. yeah yeah and they have pushed back and said i'm not a survivor and they don't like the word uh-huh. because of how vigorously they fought against it. They didn't survive yeah. it. They beat the fuck out of it. Excuse yeah, my language. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it, again, if you I know want, there's no perfect language is there, there is no perfect language. Mm-hmm. And it, the, here's the beauty of it. There's mm-hmm. no wrong answer. If you mm-hmm. want to use the word survive, or you want to use yeah. the word predator, or you want to use the word, whatever, all I'm asking is own it, yeah, figure yeah. out who you are. Right. In, in the in the mixed in the script that you've got playing going on and i think right. frankly um you know one of the first techniques i want to share this would be a great segue if you don't mind Good. is for people to take i love mind mapping i i don't know oh, yeah. if, if any of you do this um and it, my, the, the term mind mapping is different than the concept of mind mapping the, mm-hmm. the concept of mind mapping goes back you know, thousands of years, and you can take a look at Da Vinci's uh, notebooks and see a, 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 a version of mind mapping. It just wasn't called that back then. Uh, Tony Bazan, who unfortunately, a very nice man, uh, unfortunately, has now passed on. Tony is out of the U- was out of the UK. He invented the term mind mapping, and it kind of then caught on globally. And what it is, is that you uh, 
put a bubble in the middle of a paper, you could mm-hmm. write, and I'm, here's the technique for you. You write me, just write your name on there or write me, uh-huh. uh, M-E, and then you start creating little uh, balloons off of it, for lack of or arcs off uh-huh. of it, or little lines coming out of it. Uh, people who see my mind maps call them my spiders, because that's what they wind up <laughs> looking look like. like a web. A little web of things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you start creating these offshoots. Here's you. And then start literally diagramming who you are, all the things that make up you. So, you know, one of the big things from my family is the coat of arms saying, say and do. That's big for me. I say it, I do it. I do it, I say it. Very consistent. You know, my word is my bond, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Say and do is a big thing. Um, Everybody I meet is my teacher or my student or both. Another big fundamental for me. Mm. And so uh, all of these things, you start creating this map of yourself very visually. And, you know, a lot of people will keep it in their head. Oh, I know how to be self-aware. I know how to do what you're doing, Scott. Let me just think about it. I am telling you, I can guarantee you will get lost in the web. Yeah, you will become entangled in your thoughts, and you're not going to get it all down. One of the most beautiful ways of becoming instantly self aware, to the extent that I can have you instantly anything, Mm -hmm. uh, instantly self aware is to map yourself. Mm -hmm. And to write down who you are, what do you think? What are the fundamentals? you're going to start seeing things that came from your parents. And you as soon as you write them, you say, wait a minute, that's not me. Yeah, it's not me, but it, but it's still the scripting going on. Mm-hmm. And so you'll start being able to distinguish between the self-aware you and the scripts you're playing, the, the, the scripts you're playing for other people. Ah, I love that. Okay. So mind mapping is one step in yeah. how to become self-aware. Um, I want to teach a, a therapeutic one as well to kind of decrease reactivity. And that is, uh, if you don't mind, that is um, when a feeling overwhelms you, you want to identify how strong the feeling is. And if it's really powerful, you want to ask yourself, is this feeling familiar? Like, is this the first time I felt wounded or hurt in this way or reactive in this way? And, And my guess psychologically is about 20% of the feeling is from the present moment and potentially 80% is from past moments like this. And by going back and looking at the older wound, not only are you self-aware, but it'll help you be less reactive and less blaming of the person in front of you for whatever this current situation is. So for instance, I was working with a grieving person on relationship issues, didn't come to me for grief, came just to want to have in as an individual better relationships and was really rigid about being on time and how much when people were late, that was so disrespectful and really caused them a lot of anxiety and frustration and anger. And as we looked at how powerful this feeling was, lo and behold, um, you know, dad, died and was supposed to pick her up and she was left waiting and angry. Why is dad late, et cetera. And so now when somebody is late, it's not just that they're late, but it's that they're dead. And it was such a reaction for her that we got her to just not make other people responsible for fixing the problem, but you know, letting people in leveling with the trustworthy people to say, Hey, I've had really intense grief in my life when someone's late and I don't hear from them. I worry that they're dead. And could you just shoot me a quick text and say, Hey, I'm running five minutes late. I'm running two minutes late. I'm running 10 minutes late, just so I can calm down. If you need more time, send me another note or call me again and say, you need more time. But then I'm not panicked thinking that you've died. And no, is it that person's responsibility to fix her fear? No, she still needed to work on self-soothing and calming herself and, you know, looking at the evidence that disproved her misbelief, but it helped her in her relationships be more clear. I, I, before we're done here, um, remind me if I, 
uh-huh. if, if I get lost in my own rabbit hole here. Um, but I, I do. That, that's a wonderful opportunity to discuss. I'm a big fan of, of Byron Katie and the work that she does. I, I want to at least talk listeners who don't un, who don't know uh, Katie's work to explain what it is and how that would work with the situation you just described. Okay. Um, the, the second, and I'm looking at the clock here, making sure that we get, have enough time to get all this in. The, okay. the, the second technique for self-awareness that I wanted to share, and there are so many of them, folks, but the, this is a biggie. And I first heard this from Alan Watts, the, uh, the philosopher slash professor slash Zen Buddhist who, who here, he, he came out of Britain, but basically popularized, for lack of a better way to put it, a lot of Zen Buddhist concepts in the Western world. Uh, and there are people that have criticized him, but I absolutely love the man, love listening to him and how he spoke. And I'm going to say something that, Michelle, you've heard me talk about before, because it comes, originally, people will think this comes out of Star Trek. And it does. It doesn't. Right. Every one of you who's ever followed Star Trek will have heard the Klingon. It is a good day to die. Uh-huh. And it doesn't come from it. You know, much like the, the Spock live long and prosper uh-huh. symbol is actually a Jewish priestly blessing uh-huh. because Leonard Nimoy created it because of his Orthodox Jewish upbringing. So they uh-huh. let him create the whole Vulcan slash Jewish culture. Um, the, the Klingons, that whole saying came out of uh, what appears to be the Lakota Sioux blessing. Mm. And let me put it another way. It comes from from the translation, I'm ready for whatever comes, Mm. which in turn comes out of a concept in Latin called memento mori. Mm. And as, as drastic as this sounds, when translated, it means remember, you are going to die. And what Alan Watts talked about was the most amazing thing that you can do to become self-aware is to contemplate your own death. Yes. Not, not in a morbid way, not in yeah. a depressing way, not in an activating way, but to understand everybody at one time or another dies, to use Michelle's word, but mm-hmm. they pass on. And contemplate that. And I invite all of you to look up Memento Mori because it's just so marvelous when you meditate on the inevitability of your own passing Mm -hmm. and what that means. And you will become instantly self-aware. Yeah. And here's the cool part of this. When you actually meditate on that, it makes you more playful. Mm. how many times for example has has a dear friend or a loved one died mm-hmm. and you have immediately go life is precious i need to take i need to appreciate it more oh, we've absolutely. all done it right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we forget mm. it That's moved, why we you hire on. super grover to put you to bed at night there you go um, and, <laughs> and so it's something that i noticed you know what <laughs> years and years and years ago was even I would go through and say, God, life is so precious. We need to take time and appreciate this and appreciate that and be grateful, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Right. My word Mm -hmm. for this year. And then it kind of, you kind of put it on the back shelf because other things get in the way life, you know, life happens. Well, not only that, but it's psychological protection. Like if anybody looks up my mentor's old book, uh, PDA personal death awareness, you know, it's protection. We can't, we can't live a hundred percent of the time in contemplating our own death. We Correct. need to Absolutely. go there, but there's a reason why we put it on the back burner or would never leave the house. Well, it's the same reason I think that women have babies more than one because, <laughs> right, they, forget because the pain. they forget the pain. Um, <laughs> you know, men could never do it. Um, and, and, and so again, yes, yes. I'm, I, and by go the way, there. You, you bring up mm-hmm. a good point. Go there. Don't, don't stay, stay there. there. <laughs> don't yes. stay there. Um, you know, you're not going to stay there looking in the rear view mirror and you're not going right. to stay there looking at things that don't exist. The idea is to right. simply say, and this is why I love the today is a good day to die concept. Yeah. Yeah. Live every day so that 
at the end of the day, if that was the only day you had left on earth, yeah. at the end of the day, you mm-hmm. can look back and say, it was a good day. That makes sense. Yeah. So not as if it's your last, because we make Absolutely really not. stupid mistakes when we live that way, but live as if you could say it's a good day. And, and, I, and I love and, that. And that's the whole concept behind Memento Mori and mm-hmm. that it's a good day to die, or I can take you know, I can handle whatever comes my way. None of this is meant to be morbid. None of this is meant to to be, to be victims. And none of this is meant to be, uh, to to ask you to surrender anything. This Mm -hmm. is, this is quite the contrary. This is to get you to go out, be so self-aware that you literally seize the day. Now you're into the carpe diem Mm -hmm. concept of life is so precious. I'm going to take every fricking instant, or as I've said to Michelle, you know, I could spend my heartbeats wherever I want. I'm choosing to spend them here because this is an important part of what you and I do. Um, Start looking at your life that way. What really is important to you? Go back to your mind map, plug that in, and then start playing a whole hell of a lot more with your life. Right. Okay. I love now, since we're coming to the end of our time, I'm going to throw out a bunch of places for people to start if they're like, okay, but you know, I need some, I need some tools to help me get there. So I'm going to throw out a bunch and then feel free to add to them. So I would say, you know, go online and Google five love languages and take the five love languages, Great book. maybe have a partner that you take it with, but get to know your five love languages. If you've ever heard of DISC, D-I-S-C, or strength finders, or what color is your parachute, any of those three old standards, including Myers-Briggs, which is a free version is on 16personalities.com. So take one of those. It helps you both at work, with career, with partners, be, you know, just give you some tools to help you tune in to more about yourself, your challenges in in yourself and your strengths in yourself. Like particularly, I want you to figure out what your ouch buttons are so you can communicate those to trusted other individuals so they can not push them. They're not responsible for healing them and they're not responsible for your reaction to them should they accidentally push them, but they can at least learn. And you may have to tell them three, four times. Remember, it's your ouch button, not theirs. So if you hate the toilet paper going over versus under, you may need to tell your partner five, six times that until they remember it because it's your ouch button. Okay. Not theirs. So I, cause that's something I get in couples counseling all the time is, Oh, you know, I really don't like this. Have you told your partner? Yes. Okay. How many times? Well, once, well, they're not going to remember. It's not their ouch button. You've got to remind them. You know, so yes, a really self-aware person might hear it once from you and then never again need it told again. The rest of us are human. I'm going to interrupt you real quick because it's going to lead to the Byron Katie discussion. Oh, good. But I think I may have said this before. If not, I want to give you a quote from her that that is exactly underscores what you've just said. Okay, good. Here's her quote. Your job is unconditional love. Everyone else's job is to push your buttons. (laughs) Yeah, that way you know what they are yep. and you can work on them, right? Like, you know, it's one, if you want to be a hermit and a, Bo- a Buddhist monk and live in a monastery and be like unaffected by the world, that's okay. Some people choose that. If you're going to stay in the world, people will push your buttons and you need you need relationships to push your buttons so that you can decrease their size down to like a little tiny mini one instead of a huge 12 inch pieces, pizza size yeah. button that hurts when the wind blows. So the, the last thing, cause we're out of time now. Um, <laughs> the, the last thing that I want to point out is I, I really invite everybody to go take a look at thework.com. Ah. And that's what it, it's called. Thework.com is from Byron Katie, fascinating lady. Uh, I've, I've read her books. You don't have to read them. You can actually go on her podcast or on, on her website get access to her podcast, get access to her YouTube stuff, and even get all of the training for free. Uh, And it all comes down to is what you're thinking, doing, feeling, experiencing real. You keep asking that question, is this real? 
ultimately, I'm not going to take you through all the steps right now, but ultimately you get to the point. Remember I talked, I gave you the quote she had, your job is unconditional love. Everyone else's job is to push your buttons. Imagine being able, being so self-aware that you get to that place where you say, I look forward to that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's power. That is power. Mm-hmm. And she will lead you through all that. Um, well, we have uh, sped through today. Yeah, it, it, it is fast. Uh, Probably because we talked too much about Super Grover. Sorry, everybody. That's a, No, no, no. So, <laughs> so here's the interesting thing. Um, we talk about being self-aware next week. We're going to talk about aging gracefully. Not. Um, <laughs> Not for the week at I want to. Yeah, I want to get old, said no one ever. Exactly. I don't, I don't mind growing up. I just don't want to get old. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so we're going to talk about aging gracefully next week and the journey that <laughs> the journey that we are all on. Yeah. Particularly in light of this whole memento mori thing that I brought up. It's yeah. like, come on, folks. <laughs> you know, yeah. Betty White just made it to almost 100. Right. I know. We heard about it. And, you know, know. I'm, I'm national treasure. And yeah. look at the way she lived her life, by the way absolutely yeah. look at the way george burns lived his life yeah so we're a lot we'll of ha- t- humor yeah so exactly mm-hmm. so we'll talk a lot we'll, we'll talk about aging gracefully next week uh anything you want to end on michelle um let's see i think two things i didn't mention is don't be afraid to journal or as scott was mentioning meditate find some ways to journal or meditate if this topic stirred up things inside of you that might be a great place to start it's just journal mind map you know meditate on it that kind of thing but mostly I just want to wish you all a very happy new year as Scott and I go forward to try to create some peaceful healing for you in 2022 All right. With that, folks, thank you for joining us. Please remember to subscribe and like and share the the podcast with others. And for those of you who are new to the show, uh, because the the audience is growing, please uh, continue with us and welcome aboard. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've reached the end of another episode of Keeping Your Together in a Stressed World with Michelle Post and Scott Grossberg. If you like our show, We'd love for you to subscribe, rate our broadcast, and leave a review. The podcast is for general information only and not intended to be legal or mental health advice, nor the formation of a lawyer-client, nor therapist-patient relationship. Stay tuned for our next episode, and thank you for listening.